That dude could do magic tricks for you every night before you went to bed. F- yeah, I'm in, dude. Yeah, let me hide my wee wee. Woohoo, it's back. That's awesome. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowner. I'm here with my co-hosts, Mats and Heiner. Better red than dead. Javier Ortiz. What is up, my nerds? And Ian Anderson. Some shit. All right. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. It helps us grow the podcast. Also, we are starting a giveaway Woo-hoo. here soon. So or we're starting it right now. So as of right now, you're listening to this. You can get yourself three entries to our giveaway. We're giving away four $25 Amazon digital gift cards. All you have to do is go to our website, what's our verdict.com. Once you're there at the bottom of any of the pages there, you can subscribe to our email list, which will give you one entry. You can also on our fa- our page, send us a message through our contact us page, which will give you your second entry. And finally, if you share or tag someone in our Monday, Instagram, Facebook post, you'll get an entry as well. So that's up to three entries. Finally, um, after you've done that uh, on August 17th, which is a Monday when our episode releases on that episode, we'll ha- announce our winners and then we'll make sure that we send Send you over those gift cards through your email digitally so you'll have those. Uh, so please go ahead, go check out our website, what's our verdict.com. Do those two things and then watch our social media every Monday uh, when we announce our newest episode. Share that, tag someone in it, uh, help us grow the podcast, and uh, you may have a chance to, to win a gift card. So, question for our listeners, JJ, why would they want to subscribe to said email list? That is great. So what I've been working on, uh, first of all, the first thing I'm working on, I'm almost done, is outtakes. So we're pretty funny and we've had some really laugh out loud moments that we can't share either because Javier's wildly inappropriate or... What? Me? <laughs> yes, you. That's like 80% of it. <laughs> that seems way out of character for me. I, I think Matson has one. And I know I have one. So there's been a couple, but I think Javier's like four or five moments that I've had to edit out <laughs> <laughs> that are really funny, but maybe not appropriate for the podcast, which is crazy because we're pretty inappropriate across the board. Yeah. So um, let that be the uh, the gauge for you. Yeah. The other part that I have included into it is at least two times where we've hysterically laughed for a minimum of seven minutes without being able to get through the intro of the podcast. So quite fun there. The other thing is, is we're going to send out, we are going to do some episodes that we don't post to our normal stream to where you can check us out. So you have to be a member of this email list to be able to get access to that those special episodes. Exclusive. Exclusive episodes. So we're going to have a couple of those that we'll be putting out as well. Um, so just mostly anything that we can do is we do more contests in the future. We may do some just for those that are on our email list. So it, it will behoove you to sign up. Go to our, again, just our website, webs- what's our verdict.com. Really easy to sign those up and then watch our instant, our instant, wow. I'm losing it already. That might be the biggest word we've used in our podcast. Yeah, so get over there and get behooved, guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Behooves you. All of you. All right. So on with today's episode. Um, This is our arbitration series. We haven't done one in a while. So we're going to discuss the facts of two movies, pass judgment based on shared topics, and let you, the listener, know our verdict on who did it better. Today, we're comparing the 2006 magician dramas, The Prestige and The Illusionate. Illusionate. My God. (laughs) This is one of those moments that it's going to go on. (laughs) The Illusionist. 
the Prestige was directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Christopher and Jonathan Nolan. It stars Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Michael Caine, Rebecca Hall, and Scarlett Johansson. It tells the story of two magicians after a tragic accident who engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. The illusionist, allu- I cannot fucking the word say illusionist. Is eluding you. <laughs> I know. I can say behoove, but I cannot say illusionist. There it was. The illusionist was written and directed by Neil Berger. It starred Edward Norton, Jessica Biel, Paul Giamatti, and Rufus Sewell. It's about a magician in the turn of the century, Vienna, who uses his abilities to secure the love of a woman far above his social standing. Ooh, that was big. We'll be comparing these two movies using the following topics the magicians themselves. The tricks, the crews, and the twist. All right, so let's jump in. Uh, let's jump in right with the magicians. What did you guys think of the magicians in these two movies? Wait, so we're not doing like a spoiler-free thing. We're just we're just just skipping the foreplay and just getting right down into it. Yeah, dude, these movies have been out for like fourteen years. If they haven't seen them by now, that's not our problem. <laughs> has it been that? Yeah, two thousand six, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Ian, you were you were saying something until I was much louder than you. <laughs> that's right. That's that's pretty common of people being louder than me. It's, no, I was just saying. I thought you were going to say it's pretty common for Javier to just cut you off. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> which would also be true. That's awesome. Also, if I lose, start losing an argument, I just talk louder. And that's just that, for me that is well. very true, hundred percent true. <laughs> I don't have that trick in my. I don't have that trick in my like repertoire. I can't just no. talk louder, so Flawless. it doesn't just... work for me. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Ian. So if you remember what you were gonna say, go ahead. I was gonna say I think back in the day uh, when we did Italian Job and Ocean's Eleven, I said that I didn't like Edward Norton and like anything, and I think that might still hold true. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. I was like, man, I would rather like deep throat a flaming torch than watch this guy act again. Yeah, I think I think if I remember right, Fight Club was the only one yeah. that I liked, and so that's my thoughts on the Illusionist magician. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know when? So the Illusionist and Prestige came out like the same year, right? Yep, exact same year. I watched the Prestige that year. Like, I think that was my freshman year of high school. I watched it like six times to the point where my best friend to like, even to this day, he's like a really good friend of mine. He hates that movie to this day because we watched it so many times. And when I was that age, I watched the illusionist and I was like, you know, this movie's pretty boring in comparison to the prestige. And now that I'm a little bit older and I've seen the illusionist, I still fucking think that that movie is so boring. Jeez, dude. And I don't know if it's Edward Norton or the writing or the fact that each scene seems to drag on forever. I don't know what it is, but still a boring movie, guys. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I guess for me, I had such a bad opinion of The Illusionist when I originally watched it. So watching it this time, it was better than I expected it to be. But my expectation was like literally nothing. So it exceeded my initial expectation. So for me, Edward Norton, while I didn't like him, he was much more bearable in this than the weasel that he was in the Italian job. But we're I'm, we're talking like very low standards. But kind of kicking off the prestige for me, I, I dude, I love Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. The prestige, the magicians in this, just the classiness of the the believability of the cause that they're both going after to find the greatest trick and to kind of have the one up on the other. It works for me, and it works because they're they're two both well well known A list 
actors and i feel like they portray that in the magicians that they are yeah if we're comparing edward norton to Hugh jackman and christian bale it's just not a comparison right so at this point we're really just comparing hugh jackman to christian bale (laughs) fair enough uh, you know, and I, I, I think of them as like when I think of the prestige, I look at those two as kind of a package deal. So when I'm comparing, because I don't think, look, anybody be better than Ed, Ed Norton, in my opinion. <laughs> in the, but the prestige has its own problems, which we'll talk about later. But I don't think that any two, uh, those two actors just play off each other so well. When I do Jackman and Bale, uh, their interaction from start to begin, finish, when they're friends, they're bantering and they're arguing about, you know, changing things up and then leaving them the same kind of that at the beginning after the first time you realize that they're plants, right? In the audience in that first time. And then later on when they're just, they're shooting each other's fingers off. They're bitter rivals, man. Just gnarly shit. I, they played each off each other so well that I think without one or the other, I don't know that the movie would have been as good, in my opinion. I also feel like Hugh Jackman's character is like that friend that we have that just takes things one step too far, like all the time. You know, his wife died, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but does that give you a free pass to A, shoot someone's finger off, B, constantly drown yourself in vats of water? So, Javier, you thought he just took everything too far, huh? He took everything way too far. Like, as soon as you're blowing people's fingers off, like, you have to think to yourself that maybe I crossed a line. You know, I I want to agree with you about most everything, but the shooting the dude's fingers off, he was just trying to, he was going to kill him. And I can't argue with the fact, okay, he... He's the reason your wife died. You had to watch her die. I mean, it was a high-risk profession. Can you really... He didn't know which knot he tied. Like, that whole thing where I know he probably repressed it, but that would... If I was Hugh Jackman's character, uh, Angie, it would drive me to the point of insanity. And so, to JJ's point, I really feel like... I'd be like, this guy can't give me the answer I need to know to have the resolution. So, you know what? F him. I'm going to shoot him. Yeah, and the, his wife had done hundreds of these performances. It's not like it was her first time. Yeah, like, but she, I mean, so she, at that point, it's just a statistical probability, right? Like, if only you, if you your, use the right knot, if you tie yourself up and, and trap yourself underwater, it's just a matter of time until you drown. This is the same person, Javier, who who likes John Wick, and all it took was for his dog to die, and he goes on a <laughs> So what are you talking about? <laughs> All it took was the dog. I feel like you keep throwing that in my face. And if we're going to compare every movie to John Wick, then let's do it. Let's just give both of these movies a two and let's wrap this sucker up. <laughs> <laughs> no, my only problem with this is, is so if I were Angiers, I wouldn't have asked him what knot he tied. He'd already said he didn't know. I'd have shot him right between the fucking eyes and walked away. There wouldn't have been none of this shoot his fingers off on accident. What I'm saying is I don't think you can claim to be this very thoughtful husband if you're okay with your wife putting her life on the line every night. And then, like, shock Pikachu face, she dies. You know, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Shock Pikachu It was his fault. But... Those guys are very entertaining and fun to watch. They did a really good job playing throughout. So, yeah, and Ed Norton sucks. Can we talk? I just, the, one of the things I like about Prestige from Christian Bale's character, Borden, and gosh, what, what's the guy, the, uh, the guy that plays his brother, who, who's the dude that's always with him, but it's actually his brother? 
or oh, his, his yeah there you go Fallon. yeah when but when the gun is shot into his finger and then he ends up having to cut it off on the other individual That's like wild. just the sacrifice for the trick to to be successful to to create something that wows the people on on both sides i mean like javier talked about angier kind of going above like just going next level shit but if you think about it the angier brother or sorry the borden brothers did the same thing they were willing to live two separate lives cut off fingers do whatever it took to make this trick possible and that's what i really liked about both of these magicians their struggle it was just intriguing to me to the point of it being downright scary to ask myself like would i go to those lengths to to do that to be successful for your job would you cut your finger off for your job madsen <laughs> oh i mean how much money <laughs> Dude, he committed so hard that his wife hung herself. Yeah. Dude, he's hung a, herself. He's full oh. for two for the for the dead wife's thing. Yeah, and the other one left. The last one, she's like, mm, fuck you. <laughs> See yeah. you later. Bonk. But face, it, dude. But I mean, like, how could anyone stand to be around people with that sort of like obsessive personality? That has got to be so exhausting. Not to mention obsessive. It's basically like you're living with a dual personality that both of them are that they, obsessive. Well, she was. Yeah. Right? She like, absolutely it, like, was. Yeah. I think one of the most poignant lines is when Sarah looks at him and says, you don't mean it today. Yeah. Oh. And that whole conversation where it's like I ask and, I, you know, it's interesting to me because on the days that it that you do mean it, it means more to me. I'm like, that's fucked up. <laughs> How sad is that to hear well, do we know in that scene if it was her? No, no, no. Sorry, we do know. So it was the brother. Yeah, dude. How sad would that be to hear as the husband who's like, "I love her more than anything," and I know my brother doesn't, but like, this is the life that we decided to live, and he just sort of let that happen. Like, oh, that's crazy, dude. And they're not even doing the trick at that point. I'm like, what right. the fuck? Right. We're not even doing it. Oh, it's terrible. Just and a I, long con. Yeah. And that's why it kills me, like, to be Angier's in that moment. And the only reason he can't tell you which knot he tied is because it's one of them has no clue because he wasn't fucking there. And the other one's not going to admit it because the other one can't, right? It's like, oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, I'd shoot him in the fucking face. What did you guys think <laughs> with um, <laughs> when Sarah, at the end, before she hangs herself, she says, I know what you are. I think that's how she says it. And I've always wondered, what does she think she knows like that he's bipolar to her viewpoint or did she figure out the trick or what I thought she knew that he was cheating or something i thought that was because she figured out that the brother was with scarlett johansson's character and i think yeah. uh, that's what i always thought that's that's what i have always assumed as well though i could did be she know that he had a brother i feel like she wouldn't have known that no i don't think anybody knew until the very end yeah which was such a good reveal okay yeah messed up stuff all right so let's i think we've established that the prestige wins in the category of the magician oh yeah so let's talk about the tricks then let's let's talk about the the magic tricks themselves oh well i'll go for i mean i gotta be honest if we're going based off magic tricks more so to me the illusionist i thought had 
more compelling tricks per se because if you think about it like borden's character in prestige all he did was toss over a ball and he came out of a door i'm just talking about visually appealing but in like the illusionist the orange tree that came out making what looked like mystical spirits and people appearing and then he also did what else did he do it i I just remember those tricks a lot more but like angier's really big tesla experiment would have been massively impressive in person. But overall, to me, the illusionist tricks, I just remember them more because they felt like more of a true magician. The prestige felt more like a, a dumbed down, but way more realistic magic until Angier just obviously whatever that was. Yeah. So I agree with that. But I think the illusionists went above and beyond with the tricks because they had to make up for the acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, the shitty accents, right? <laughs> right. That's so, so like. Bad. <laughs> One thing I liked about the Prestige though was that they you saw them like practicing stuff. Like that one time, uh, his wife Sarah, I think, comes home and he's like, "Oh, check out this new trick!" Right. So it was cool to see them like constantly trying new things and practicing and getting that like behind the scenes as they're building their tricks rather than just seeing like a ghost. like that birdcage the contraption yeah. and gear war that was cool like in his suit right yeah so i felt like the prestige was watching a lot more tricks go wrong like I, we <laughs> weren't watching fair. like actual magic tricks it was like how can this trick go wrong like somebody gets <laughs> shot in the fingers the birdcage thing explodes and like takes off more ladies fingers like it's just like one thing after another where tricks were going wrong I um, forgot about that scene. That was horrifying. Yeah, dude, what a what a dick <laughs> move to just get up there and smile at that magician and just rip that cage. Poor lady. Yeah, he, like he puts his little hand on there. Oh, <laughs> poor poor lady. What did she do wrong? Though I gotta say, my favorite trick is when it's well, you know, trick in the uh, prestige is when Borden like takes over his magic show and like goes up in in place of the double and he's got his double tied up and like hanging from the ceiling <laughs> that was by far my favorite trick that was yeah. awesome that's great i think what set the illusionist apart for me is that there's only one trick you ever know how they do it like they really stick in that movie to you never reveal the secret and he only does the one and that's the ball right where it's your hand will always be lose the color that he gives to the the police guy, Giamatti. And that's the only one you ever hear how he did it. Even the painting, all that did was the prince was guessing about there being some sort of chemical that made it change colors, which most likely was the truth, but you never actually know. He never admits to any of them. So I really enjoyed the fact that even though I really wanted to, I never knew how any of these tricks actually worked. Other than that one, the closest you get is like you get the diagrams of the orange tree at the end, but you don't see it long enough to actually figure it out. You just know that there's a mechanical something under there that makes the tree raise, but you don't know how do you get the oranges in there. How do, there's so many different things, that, and then the butterflies. So I liked the fact that they kept those secrets, whereas the prestige part of the story is you have to know that these are contraptions and they're building it so that Angier's one at the end – you're constantly trying to figure out how that works until you realize that it's some sort of magic or uh, science that's duplicating him. So I really like that part of it. To to that point, I, I did like in the proceeds, one of, to Javier's point about you get to see the behind the scenes. I liked as well that they showed a lot about what magic is, is presentation. That if you really think about it, 
you can do said trick, but if it if you're not dolling it up and it looks impressive from the audience's perspective, it's not going to look like that. And that's why what I kind of said earlier with Borden, when he first did his uh, transporting man trick, when we first saw it in the movie, it was really mundane. And you were like, oh, like, that's it. That wasn't cool. He just came out of the, the door with his brother. Like, okay. But then later, they dolled it up. And if you were in the audience, you'd be like, sweet. How the hell did they do that? I also liked the aspect of studying their craft. Right? And how he breaks down, how we learned how that Asian guy does the 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 fishbowl trick, right? And how we basically figured out that the the old Asian man's like limp and hunch or whatever is all fake. And he does all of that in public to sell that one trick. I'm like, that is so cool. Can you imagine spending that much time just studying magicians? That's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to pick up on little details like that, too. This isn't so much about the tricks, but watching the prestige again, knowing what's going on. It was interesting to see, like, the only reason he's probably able to make that connection and think this guy's making a sacrifice of looking weak is because he himself is doing the same thing of have the sacrifice of having a brother. It was very interesting to pick up on little things this time around, knowing what's going on in the prestige. Yeah, like little comments from the other characters about him and you know why they think that way because there is something off, right? Yeah, yeah. the subtle little hints of foreshadowing that you don't pick up on, they just seem like normal everyday things and when you watch it the first time. But yeah, when you know what's coming, it's very interesting to see what, what little hints they threw out there. So it's pretty cool. I did like to... Like when I was watching the second time, Borden, try and figure out which one was which in each of the scenes. Yeah, in a given time. End, yeah, at the end especially, you can start to see very stark differences. But Well, and what got me this time too is watching it, because it's been so long since I've watched these, in the jail scene when they're, he's got his daughter and Fallon's standing there. And I was like, how did I not see that that's him? Because you look at him knowing it's him and you're like, fuck, it looks just like him with a stupid ass beard on. Yeah. <laughs> how did I not? And some bushy eyebrows. Like, how did I not know that that was him? And then the and then I think about, too, when he points the gun at him, when Hugh Jackman's, Jackman's character points the gun at him when he's getting ready to kill him. And you see Fallon get concerned when he realizes who it is and starts walking towards him to stop him. That's another one. I saw him. I'm like, fuck that's Yeah, I see it now, but you just don't notice it when you're first watching it. So can I just say the scene where Borden and his wife are yelling and their daughter is like playing with like some toy or whatever. And Fallon, who's her dad, like basically like guides her into another room. I'm just like, this is heartbreaking. Like, like, as someone who is married and has a kid, I'm like, I don't think I could do that. Like, if my brother was just like yelling at my wife in front of my kid, my kid thinks that's me. I'm like, no, nah, I, I can do it. I would definitely cut off another finger. <laughs> another of his fingers. <laughs> Which is just damning yourself. All right. So based on what I've heard, I think we got a pretty close matchup here when it comes to the tricks, just because of the difference between the two and how it plays and they're both pretty dramatic so let's move on and talk about the crews and what i mean by that when we talk about that is the the supporting people for these magicians right so each side had some people that were helping them through some of their tricks and let's talk about those guys the the supporting cast what'd you think i i mean can you can you get better than michael kane no in the prestige i don't even know if there's a discussion 
would that guy have an acting career without Christian Bale or is it vice versa? Like why? <laughs> he has a great career before Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that Michael Caine is now in pretty much every Christopher Nolan movie ever. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. He's like a Nolanite. Yeah. yeah. He's been in a lot, almost all Which of them, I, I think, but I would be too. I'd make a shiz ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. Him and, but Christian Bale's in a lot of them, and I, I just, I felt like in the Prestige when it was when it was Bale and uh, Michael Caine, if I was like, I guess we just spun into another like Batman universe, but we're we're doing tricks this time. Um, yeah, that's their chemistry. Which that's what Batman was, does, anyways, right? It's just a bunch of illusions. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but it, I, I just think Michael Caine's chemistry with both both sides of the table with Angier and Borden, it worked, and it really felt sincere um but i also liked when when he found out what Angier had done it, his kind of switch back to board inside of the table it made sense to me as well i it, i didn't think it was a, a illogical plot jump i i think he just played his part well where he was trying to serve a show but then it became serving people and then ultimately the person he was connected to Angier kind of just said an f you to the world and he was like all right man i'm gonna i'm gonna let you die i don't care about you i really liked his character yeah it's funny with Michael Caine because when he does that, he's like a bit player or he's like a side character, but he steals the show every time he's on screen, like even against the main actors, um, which he does in this movie. He does in the three Christian Bale Batman movies. He does in most of the movies he in, he's in. He just he's that good to watch. And so I definitely agree. He was really good, though. I have to say that even though he wasn't in it very long because Eisenheim fires him. Eddie Marson is really cool too. Like the guy that played Joseph, his his manager. I really like Eddie Marson. He was also in the gentleman that we just reviewed. So he was the 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 pig guy. <laughs> Poor bastard. So I do like Eddie Marson a lot. He's good. See, I know the Illusionist didn't have a really big crew, but I do want to give a like shout out, I guess you could say, to Paul Giamatti because I thought he did oh. excellent. And there are times where I felt like I was watching his movie. Not so much Edward Norton's. So would have been better if we were watching his yeah. movie. Yeah, they should have just done it from his perspective completely, and had Edward Norton be kind of this character magician that comes to town. I guess. Yeah, I agree. Paul Giamatti is amazing. Isn't that what's partly wrong with the Illusionist? Because I always go back to JJ's talking about what is a movie trying to be, and for me, where Illusionist was hard is it had a really sappy traditional like. We were childhood friend lovers. I went away. I came back. Oh, she's royalty. Oh, I can't love her. They don't want us to be together. And that's what part of it was. But then they threw in this whole other part with the inspector and him trying to find a moral footground to not just be a pawn in another man's game. And to kind of Ian and JJ's points throughout a lot of our podcasts is I think it would have more resonated more if they if it was from the inspector's perspective and Edward Norton's Eisenheim was kind of a sprinkle on top. Cause sometimes I, towards the end, you're trying to figure out, well, who am I rooting for? What is this movie really ending up to be about? And it kind of lost me. Well, and technically we practically end this movie on a, you end it truly on a flashback with the illusionist. Cause it's, it shows him hand in the, the locket to the girl and it even though it's the adult version they cut back to the kids hands and but most of the ending is is watching inspector ool figure it out right and laughing and enjoying the fact that he just watched probably the greatest illusion he'll ever see right so uh, yeah to me i'm i'm 100% on board with that i i think it 
should have been 100% from his point of view, and it would have been a much better movie, in my opinion. But he's the only one whose accent didn't piss me off the whole time because they couldn't fucking maintain it the whole movie. He's the only real actor in the whole freaking movie, dude. Uh, not, not true. So Prince Leopold, while not his best movie, Rufus Sewell is, like, a fantastic actor. And even some, like, when he's losing his shit and yelling and screaming oh, at the end. I like he's, him. He's, he's nice really tale. good. Yes, That's he where is. I recognize him from. Yes, he is. He is uh, Count Adamar. No, I like that actor. Well, okay, wait. Going back to Paul Giamatti, what is that Disney Channel movie that he's in? Oh, the Big one Battle where he gets Lager. like throwing blue paint on him. No, yeah, they dye his pool blue. Oh, that's he, it. Yeah, and his shampoo orange. He tra- yeah. he tries to steal like a screenplay from um oh, that kid um who's in. Oh my gosh, guys! I'm gonna die. What is Malcolm in the middle or Malcolm in the middle? Yeah, the Malcolm in the middle kid. No, and they're yeah. like, big they're, fat liar. He told... Yeah, yes, he said a big, big fat, fat liar. That's what it is. And he totals his uh his like blue Porsche, and and the tow truck picks him up, and he's like, his skin's blue, and his hair's his hair's orange, and the tow truck driver's like, they told me I was picking up a little blue car. They didn't say anything about a little blue man. <laughs> The shit anyway, you remember kills me, dude. <laughs> that is by far Paul Giamatti's best movie he's ever made. That oh, was his God. prime. I love Paul Giamatti. He's. Uh, have you guys seen the show uh, Billions on Showtime at all? God, you got to watch it. It's so good. He is so good at in it. So that's the crew. I think we did a really good job there, and I think we could definitely say that in the end, just by sheer numbers and then numbers of great actors that were involved would be prestige correct oh yeah okay yeah i will say sarah's character rebecca hall just annoys the hell out of me oh, i yeah. freaking hate her so much she's just a whiny we just saw her in something. that actress didn't we oh i'm so excited to tell you what she's in javier I, I almost want you to guess oh oh the town that's right yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i'm like i feel like that's the character in both movies that i've seen her in Just a whiny women. and that would explain it because the town, uh yep the problem is is she she plays that character in every movie she's in yeah and i was agreeing with matson i'm like i feel like that's always her characters is like annoying whiny yeah. victimized person and it gets old yeah i don't i don't enjoy her very much all right so let's move on finally to the twist what did you guys think of the twist on these movies let's talk about the twist the prestige twist is one of the most incredible twists i've ever seen the first time around which one though like which twist because it technically has two twists that's true the twist where you find out it's twin brothers blew my mind agreed to be fair i was like 14 so it was really easy <laughs> to blow my mind but it did oh i hate you i was 20, <laughs> pretty sure i was 25 years old so <laughs> but it still blew my mind i definitely agree with with javier I, I one of the reasons i really like michael Caine in this movie is he set up the, the christopher nolan's idea of i think it's what are the three words he uses the it's like the setup the turn or no? Oh. What, it, what is it? The pledge, the turn, and the prestige. I I like that monologue a lot, and they bring it back at the end, and they they use it first to show kind of and what what's going on with Angier, but then to Javier's point, once you find out the whole brother thing, it just 
I'll, this is one of the movies I always say I wish I could go back to the first time I had ever seen it to experience what it was like the first time. Because, dude, this is a movie you have to go back back and watch again to really understand, well, this happened then and here. And, oh, I didn't pick up on that. But for the sake of the turn on this movie, dude, I, I, I was blown away. The part where the brother gets hung. Hanged? Hung? Hanged. Hung it did? Hanged? <laughs> The bar. Hung did it. Hung did it. That's Illusion, illusionist. Illusionist. <laughs> Where he gets hanged the whole time. Like the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, like, how's he gonna get out of this? Right? He's like kind of running out of time. And then they're like, any last words? And he's like, abracadabra. And then they hang him. I was just like, chills. Literal chills. What a baller last word for a magician. And then, like, the next scene, he comes back and freaking shoots Hugh Jackman. I was like, abracadabra, that's right, bitch. You know, it was just crazy. Like, I was so amped from that twist. I'm still amped. Like, 14 years later, I'm still, like, (laughs) it's crazy. Yeah, it was good. That twist was good. So what did you think of the, the Hugh Jackman twist, the doubles? Well, you clearly didn't like it, JJ. You might as well just tell us now. No, I'm just asking. I did it so my only thoughts on that were like the first half of the movie I was on Hugh Jackman's side right his character side and then the second half of the movie I was like not on his side anymore and so when he was like I don't know whether I was the one in the tank or if I would be the one outside of the tank I was like boo hoo cry me a <laughs> river dude like <laughs> I was way less sympathetic to this guy I think it, what to answer your question, JJ, what was a little hard is it. That's the only part where the prestige, where they took some crazy creative liberties to say, all right, we're gonna Tesla is gonna create this machine that can duplicate human, uh, whether it's an object like a hat to human matter, aka human being, and this person's gonna do said trick, and it's gonna create a duplicate of him. And it, it just got a little slightly outlandish, and it was. That's the part where I feel like the prestige fell on itself a little bit. But you also, I think we knew that Angier was going into these, the tanks of water just by some inference because you knew it created a copy. Well, why are they having something fall into this? You you assumed it was probably going to be him. So that didn't fall as heavy on me because I expected it. But the brother thing with Borden, I I mean, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, the brothers got me. And I... (laughs) I struggle like if I could turn the movie off and then like get rid of the whole Angiers. Like I wish they'd have just leaned in because they leaned in so much on the fact that Angiers was a better performer. And I wish they would have just kept leaning on that somehow. And I don't know how you end it because obviously the one version of Angiers has to die. The whole that's the whole setup, right? To get back at Borden. And he thinks he's killed Borden, even though he's only killed half of Borden. But I, I just – it gets so weird to me, like this whole sci-fi entry. And don't get me wrong. I love Tesla because I – I mean, come on now, guys. It's Tesla 1, which is a cool story to begin with. And he was robbed. And it was really bad what they did to him. But the other piece of it is is I love David Bowie. So any character David Bowie plays, I'm in. Um, so not to mention Andy – What's his last name? The dude that does. Uh, oh, I like that guy. I love that, that guy. Dude. He's so good. I forgot he was in it. So I was watching. I was like, oh, shit. It's Smeagol. And then. <laughs> so. Stupid fat hobbits. I wish I could do that. That was pretty good, dude. That was really good. 
We can't do that, boys. So, yeah, I, it, it bothers me, like, more than it should, I think. The first time I watched it, I was like, okay, that's really cool. That's interesting. It's different. Every subsequent time that I've watched The Prestige, like, the Angier's machine bothers me more and more. And I think it's partly because every other part of this movie is so damn good that that just seems like it doesn't fit to me. So that's my take on it. Yeah, no, I think you're right with the sci-fi thing because the rest of the movie is very realistic and how yeah. they go oh, about yeah. doing these tricks. And then suddenly you've got a cloning machine. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? I feel like part of that's like Christopher Nolan's style sometimes. Because I remember thinking the same thing with Interstellar where it's like, oh, I like this, I like this, I like this. And then at the end, it just kind of goes weird. And it's just like, um, Okay. Yeah. Which is such like an M night thing to do to like to to stumble at the five yard line, you know? <laughs> well, it's true about both of them because when they get it right, they fucking get it right. Because like Inception, still one of the best endings because you just don't know. There's so many ways to go, and it's so interesting uh, a concept. There's so many twists, and then the movie, the ending is so good. But then you have like other movies that they've done where you're like, oh, God, the ending sucked. <laughs> you fucked up right um, at the end. <laughs> but, yeah. For, I, I know we've talked about the prestige a lot, but I want to bring up my qualm with the, the illusionist. Uh, it, the reveal just happened so fast, so quickly, and there was, like, rapid scene after rapid scene. And they had the weird, like, antiquated camera that you couldn't see the edges while everything was happening. It just it, it was too quick for me. And I to our point earlier, if they focus more on Paul Giovanni, I think him maybe experiencing that a little bit more and taking their time on that, it would have had a bigger impact to me. But it felt rushed just so they could get to the ending scene of showing the magician and his girl at the cabin together in what would probably be a horrible life. Why? I don't know. They're in the middle of nowhere. That dude could do magic tricks for you every night before you went to bed. Fuck yeah, I'm in, dude. Yeah, let me hide my wee wee. Woohoo, it's back. Let me, let me hide, hide my, my wee wee. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That one's. I just. We just found our intro, boys. <laughs> let me hide my wee wee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I. I have a little different take on the illusionist. I actually don't like the illusionist. Almost any of it. But I like the ending to me is quite satisfying. And I think part of it is because most of it is from Paul Giamatti's perspective of trying of figuring it out. He was such a fan of the illusion world. And, you know, he goes and begs for one of the tricks and really enjoys the show. And then he, he's on Eisenheim's side from the beginning, even though he's playing for the, the fucking prince trying to keep his job and not get killed and get in trouble because this fucker's an asshole but he really is on Eisenheim's side so to watch him and then to watch him smile and laugh as he figures it out I really enjoyed that whole spin on it now I wish they would have like it's there are parts of it I didn't like like the whole ghostly form shit was a little weird to me even though it was cool it was still weird but I the ending for me was really good I did like the reveal on that the problem with it doesn't hold up. Like the only part that holds up for me watching it now, the probably two or three times is Paul Giamatti's reaction. Like how he plays that as he's figuring it out. The old man bumps into him. The kid gives him the book and he's realizing that this is all an illusion. That part's fun to watch him play, but the actual reveal of it, the movie's so bad getting to that point that now that I know what happens, like it's just not fun as fun for me. But the first time I was like, Oh, this is fucking cool. I missed that whole part of the illusion. So it's hard for me to get behind the illusionist reveal because I don't feel like the motives are that fun, right? Like, Fair. just like, 
I'm in love with this girl who's out of my league. I'm like, yeah, dude, join the club, man. Like, I don't know. Well, to tell you, but like the prestige is like this whole game of like cat and mouse and like and like chess where they're constantly trying to corner each other and like one up the other. Um, and so the reveal there is like, aha, I did get the upper hand on you. You're just like, that's pretty cool. And then the illusionist, it's like, I got the girl. It's like, yeah, good job. I struggled with the setup in the illusionist too. Having the first time I watched it, I could see like enjoying the ending a little bit more but going back and watching it again and seeing like oh he found this particular jewel in the bottom of a stable and that led him to you know realize that it like there's just so many things where it didn't feel like you could actually set this stuff up and have it come together as you would want it to whereas the prestige like i feel like it's so detailed in lining up the reveal that it makes it so much more satisfying one one thing I wanted to bring up that I think my biggest problem with the illusionist is, and feel free to to obviously chime in and tell me I'm wrong. What I had a problem with is Edward Norton's character Eisenheim. All he wanted was the girl, and from he got she faked her death, and, and they and he won. It was accomplished. She was safe. He could leave. And to me, why risk all of that playing with the the crown prince and risking your life to make that happen, knowing you could very well die. And all of you just did is going to mean absolutely nothing because you're not there to enjoy that time with uh, your newfound girlfriend. I just, it his motivations, I guess he wanted to get back at the crown prince. But to me, why risk it? Just go away. Yeah, could he hunt you down? Sure. But if you get far enough away, go to Asia Minor where you came from before and live your life. It's because he's got a small wee-wee. <laughs> <laughs> that he needs Probably to does. hide every night. Freaking weasel. Uh, no, for me, so the way I saw that is that was not like towards the crown prince per se, personally. It was more twofold that I saw of it. One, the crown prince was trying to overthrow his father, which nobody wants Austria being led by the crown prince at that point, right? Like the guy's a fucking douche nozzle. We don't want him to be the all powerful emperor of Austria. The second part of that is he really did enjoy. The people, Dude, right? <laughs> That's got to be the funniest insult <laughs> I've ever heard. This guy is a douche nozzle, JJ. <laughs> hey, you might not be able to pronounce, pronounce the illusionist, but man, that was funny as hell. Douche nozzle. That's amazing. I can't believe you haven't heard me say that before. Like, you never have. That's one of my go-tos right never. there. Douche nozzle. Yeah, so that was – one, it was for the people of his country, right? And the other one – that's it's still laughing. The other one was the fact that he was – I think he was really doing it for Giamatti's character. This is a guy that was trapped because he took a job as the inspector general given by this douche nozzle and now – He's stuck in it, and he's a good guy, and the guy realized he's a good guy, and he actually helped him in a lot of ways. So I think that's why he took the risk, one, so he would never have to worry about it now that he's got his girl. And two, the guy deserved to shoot himself in the head. He's a prick. So, yeah. So I think – and that's just the building on it. That was my view of it. Yeah, I no, definitely I mean, get where you're coming from on that. It's a lot of risk when you've already won. That can that can work, but it, it, I think one of the interesting premises the illusionist brings up is the the inspector didn't have any jurisdiction on royalty like the the royal palace. And so that's where I just go knowing in like man, that's a risky endeavor cuz basically it's do as you want, come as you please for the crown prince 
and he could get away with anything, had gotten away with anything. And and to your point, JJ, that's part of the motivation is, well, let's get this effort. But man, that just seems real risky to me. But also, my, I was watching this with my wife and she's like, I wonder how much royalty has gotten away with if that was like really a thing. And I'm like, they got away with whatever the hell they wanted to probably. Well, it's still a thing to a certain degree. I mean, there's the diplomatic immunity is real. Like there are people from other countries that are that live in the United States under diplomatic immunity, they can break pretty much any law and we can do shit about it, except they can't be in our country anymore. And that's true. A king started a religion so that he could divorce his wife. That was, that's my favorite. Just flex of royalty. Henry, baby. Henry was the man. He started like the Protestant church or something. And then he, and then he did it seven more times. (laughs) A baller, dude. Fuck your eight wives. That's that's how you know you've won at life when you have a song named after you because of your eight wives. <laughs> I mean, it would have been easier for him just to have his wife disappear, right? So good on him for going through all the effort yeah. of starting a new religion, you know? Yep. Well, and for years and years after that, like that's why the King of England was considered like the voice of God, like because of King Henry. Yeah, fucking crazy bastards. Royalty is nuts. That's why most of them are just figureheads now instead of actual rulers. All right. <laughs> so are we ready to rate this thing? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Cool. Now's the point in the podcast where we're going to rate these movies. Uh, we'll rate them in a zero to five scale. Zero being absolute dog shit. Five being we really love this movie. There was nothing wrong with it, even though there was a douche nozzle involved. So I was going to say, can that be our zero? A douche nozzle. Douche nozzle. <laughs> douche nozzle. <laughs> I am blown away that you guys have known me this long and I, you've never heard me say that before. You've never said it, dude, because you would have gotten this reaction. No, I, yeah, no, your reaction was real, which makes me realize I know you. I haven't said it to you too, but I think, I think Ian was the only one that didn't lose his shit laughing. So I probably have said it around Ian before. Yeah, it sounded kind of like, yeah, JJ talk. This is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know how to take that comment like JJ talk. Is I'm that a proud good of thing? That Is that like should we be concerned? Shit, no. It's clearly a bad thing. No, hell no. <laughs> things that, that JJ says. That things that JJ says. Oh, JJ talk. I'm creating a language, bitches. Cinemagic. Exactly. <laughs> the illusionist. All right. <laughs> Hey, that was your accent from The Illusionist. Yeah. That's, that's how <laughs> no you said shit. it differently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Um, let's start with Ian. Oh, what what would you rate these movies, and would you watch them again? I don't know what I'd rate these movies. Um, let's start with the easiest stuff. The Illusionist, I would not watch again. Um, I think I've seen it one too many times already. Um, I think one time is the appropriate amount of times that you should watch The Illusionist. And that's a stretch. And that's a stretch. It's, yeah, it's, it is for all the things that we've said. I don't know. We can go back into it if we want, but God, I'm really trying to think of a number I would rate this movie, guys, and it's not coming to me. I would say a 1.5. Yeah, we'll go with 1.5. Pretty generous. 1.5. Yeah, we'll go with 1.5 because, you know, there's still movies out there like White House Down and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, and the town. Yeah. Um, as far as the prestige, though, um, thoroughly enjoyed it. I was surprised how sad the movie was. Like, I feel like I wasn't as distracted by all the 
the details and trying to figure it out this time that I was like, man, this is a really kind of a bummer movie for uh, most of the people involved, except for maybe Michael Caine's character. They all come out pretty rough, but I still thoroughly enjoy it. I would, wouldn't would mind watching that again in the future. It's definitely one that you got to space it out, though. You can't just watch it back to back. For that one, I would say uh, I'm a big Christopher Nolan fan, so I'd say a four. Cool. Matt, so why don't you go next? All right. Yeah, so I'll start with The Prestige, uh, trying to take this movie from really two standpoints. A standalone, I've never seen this before, and then kind of combine it with, is this movie really like a rewatchable movie? And I would say on both fronts, an absolute yes. It's extremely well acted. The chemistry from Kane to Bale to to Jackman is just palpable. And I think you sprinkle in, gosh, what's who plays the Black Widow? I'm forgetting her actual name. Scarlett Scarlett Johansson. I mean, it just all works. It's a really exciting story about how far you will go to meet your your goal, your ambition, and what you're doing, you're willing to do from a moral standpoint to make that happen. I think it, it resonates well, a story that I just liked from that regard. So with that being said, what am I going to rate this? I'm going to go 4.5. The only reason I'm not giving it a 5 is I struggled a little bit with the, the Tesla magic that was sprinkled in. Thought that was a little outlandish and over the top didn't really fit in the character of this is a realistic magic movie it deviated a little bit but the twist at this movie is unreal and again i would go back and just wish i could watch it the first time over again going over to the illusionist i'm going to give this movie a two so i realized in watching this for this podcast i don't think i'd ever seen the illusionist all the way through i'd seen bits and pieces on tv and so i like the tricks it was probably better that way yeah, <laughs> probably. I like I like the tricks from this movie. I like the perspective from the inspector when we got it, Paul Giamatti. Giamatti. But what I I didn't like Edward Norton. I just think he's a weasel to me through and through, th- forever. And the overarching story about the sappy, I'm a peasant, you're royalty, I love you, but we can't love each other. I hate I hate that premise. It's just a time gone presence that just needs to be thrown out the window. So a two, would I watch The Illusionist again? Probably not. So I'm going to go no. The Prestige, obviously, by my 4.5, for sure. Cool. I'll go. Um, I'm going to start with The Illusionist. I will never watch this movie again. The only reason I watched it, because I think it matched up with The Prestige really well. After I was watching it, I was like, shit, we should have done Now You See Me and The, and the <laughs> Prestige, because... I, I forgot how much I disliked The Illusionist. And it's funny because I don't I don't hate the story. I'm okay with, you know, the love story. It's it's overdone, but it's it is what it is. Love stories are always really nice and cute. And for all of my JJ talk, I still enjoy a good romance on occasion. So it's so I didn't mind that. But what I did mind is it, it was so distracting, the inconsistent accents the shitty dialogue when anyone other than Paul Giamatti was on the screen or Rufus Sewell. I actually usually enjoyed either really enjoyed Jessica Biel or I hate her, but in this movie, she drives me crazy. Like she seems wooden. Like even when she's, yeah. So the acting was terrible again, with the exception of Rufus Sewell and, and Paul Giamatti, those two are the only thing that I enjoyed about this movie. And I did like the tricks. I liked the magic tricks. They were cool. I liked that they were functional, and I like that we never actually saw how they worked. But other than that, there wasn't much for this movie for me. So I'm going to give it a one. And yeah, I'll never watch it again. I think I said that already. The Prestige. I remember the first time I saw this movie, Casey and I watched it and I was just blown away by it. Even even the Tesla stuff, I didn't mind at the time because it was all new and it was all exciting. It was all fun. Having watched it a few times now, I think 
this time today most recently watching it i was like i love everything but that the acting is fantastic michael kane's amazing all of the actors christian bale scarlett johansson hugh jackman everybody does an amazing job even rebecca hall to a certain degree i didn't mind in this movie even though i don't like her that much i love the story of just these two people that are willing i guess technically three people that are just willing to destroy their lives in so many ways to be the better person or better magician and try to destroy each other's lives like it's such an a lesson in obsession that's quite interesting to me so i really enjoy that aspect of it very well acted but very distracted by the tesla parts i feel like it might have been 10 minutes too long there was there was a little bit of things in there that I, there were moments where I felt like it dragged. And most of that was the Colorado shit with Tesla and Hugh Jackman. But this time it felt like it dragged a little to me. Uh, it was just a little much. I think finding a more realistic way to play that out would have been better, at least in my opinion. Overall, great movie, though. I still give it a four. Uh, Javier, bring us home. Okay, so The Illusionist, I'm going to give it a one. It's not worth talking about. It's a garbage movie for garbage people. The only reason it has a one is because there's two good actors in it. You you have to answer what you would rather do. I think yeah. you said it, didn't he? I, I'd rather be a douche nozzle. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you'd like rather lick a douche nozzle or something. I'd just rather be what? I'd rather do anything with it. <laughs> the Prestige, though, incredible movie. Like, I love that movie. I've seen it a few times, so it was kind of nostalgic for me to watch it again, to be honest. Um, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a four, I think. And the reason why is I'm agreeing with JJ because the Tesla thing was like a little kind of forced almost when I watched it this time. But also after you've seen this movie, I want to say twice, it kind of starts to lose its appeal, you know, because you know the twist. You've, if you've watched it a second time, you've, ar- you've already seen all the foreshadowing and picked up on all that. And then after that, it's just kind of mundane until you get to the twist and you're like, oh, this is really cool again. So I'm going to give it a four for those reasons. But otherwise, oh, so good. You Anyone who hasn't seen this movie needs to go watch it twice right now. All right, Javier, I'm just going to have to call you out because I, I just had to go look up a Jurassic Park movie to see what you gave JP3. You gave JP3 a four. <laughs> you gave the yeah. prestige this a is four. As, this is as good. Yeah. Yeah. He he admitted that JP3 is not a superior movie. <laughs> it's just a good one in his mind. It's tied with the prestige. Yeah, it's good. It's way good. I went with my heart, okay? I let my heart guide me. And it all worked out, okay? It's Javier talk. (laughs) (laughs) I love no, but I mean that was a really good review. Like it makes sense, but I just I had to go. I had to look it up, dude. Honestly, like oh, just wait till we get to the original Jurassic Park. I'm gonna piss you guys off so bad. It's gonna be fun. It is better than any movie you can name. Did you guys know we have 25 episodes out? What? We're a quarter. Yeah, we have 25 episodes out. But it's been good times, and I'm looking forward to 25 more. Yeah, this will be episode 26. Well, there you go. There's our reviews of these movies, uh, the verdict, as it were. So, Matson, why don't you tell them where they can find us? Yeah, so before I do that, just to reiterate, with our giveaway for those four digital Amazon gift cards, make sure you, one, visit our website and subscribe to our exclusive email list for some fun content. I think there will probably be a couple things on it from this show. Second. 
go to our contact page on our website, send us a message, give us a movie suggestion, tell us what you think. And third, go to our social media on either Instagram or Facebook, tag some friends. So you have three different ways to get an entry. So three chances to be pulled up for those four $25 gift cards. But where can you find us? Obviously, whatsourverdict.com, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at What's Our Verdict. And then for our podcasts, where you already know what you can listen, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and many others, or just go to our website and play it in your own browser. Come find us, come listen, come follow. Sweet. Thanks, Matson. Uh, yeah, that's all we got. Thanks for listening. It was fun, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Cinemagic out. Bye-bye.